Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 300 with our review of How to Train Your Dragon 2. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. As we said, as we promised, we are back with our 300th review to talk about How to Train Your Dragon 2, which I I think it's safe to say is a hugely anticipated film for all of us, even though Steven would rather see 22 Jump Street than uh, this if he had the choice to only see one movie. That that is true. But I will say, um, the possibility for this movie was higher to me than the possibility for 22 Jump Street. I would just say the expectation that it wouldn't let me down was uh, was much lower. 22 Jump Street, at worst, it would be funny and dumb, kind of. This, at worst, would like ruin my new childhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it so, would destroy so, my wonder for the world all so over again. The, so it was yes. basically a simple math problem, problem that it came down to. Which one could hurt yeah. you the least? And that's the one you went for. Yeah, exactly. All right. Carson? Uh, I probably would have chosen 22 Jump Street, but I was very excited to watch this f- film, too. So... <laughs> um, Although I did see this one first because only because it was playing at a later showtime on Thursday last week. So I'd say my excitement level was pr- it was pretty much on par. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the first movie. So I, I was hoping that uh, this was going to be a worthy sequel and not sequelitis. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, j- just like we talked about, uh, you know, in our 22 Jump Street review about how, you know, sequels aren't really that great and. You know, even though we were specifically talking about comedy sequels there, it's still, this is an animated film with a sequel, and I think that animated films have that same problem of, like, if a sequel gets made, it's usually a cash grab, and it's really hard to have a animated sequel come out that is worth a damn. I don't know, Carson seems to like the Madagascar movies, so... Oh, well, no, I only like the third one. <laughs> I only like the third one because it's, like, so ridiculous and not like the other movies it, it's almost like they just started sniffing cocaine and we're like okay now let's make it we don't care anymore <laughs> was it's, it directed it's, by it, shane black no no but noah bombach wrote it so i feel like there's which is bizarre by the way yeah we, i mean i know he loves animals like squids and whales and stuff but, uh... <laughs> and foxes and <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah no i i feel like because uh, i did not like the other madagascar movies i felt like they were pretty standard and then they they seem to take a really big chance with the third one by hiring Noah Baumbach and like just doing a lot of wacky shit so I thought that was uh yeah but, but in was general in general I'm trying to think of a animated sequel that I enjoyed uh Toy well, Story 2 is the kind of obvious Toy Story is always the caveat for any of these conversations yeah right and even um, Toy Story 2 I wasn't that fond of it was really I mean Toy Story 3 that really wrapped up that series in a way that like knocked me off my feet yeah. like Shrek 2 even as a kid I remember not being that into it um yeah the the shrek movies are just okay mm. kung fu panda 2 was fun though that that is true that was a good one yeah so it can work but look we're stalling we should do the big reveal that for the 300th episode we've got gerard butler here in the studio <laughs> with us <laughs> yes this is the we're spoiler all, warning we're all shirtless we're covered in blood dude i'm <laughs> yep. so sweaty my abs are just so shiny right now yep, i got airbrushed yeah. abs myself uh, yeah feel, feeling pretty great we've got some tall vaguely effeminate man with a deep voice who's gonna gonna wage war Totes. on the podcast yeah 
tonight tonight we dine in hell mm. yeah that's podcast right. hell um I, I love how like you made that joke and then nobody tried to do a gerard butler accent <laughs> yeah it's good because <laughs> it's, it would have worked terribly it's a little difficult i, I will admit yeah, I thought about doing it, but then all I could think of was the character of Stoic, which technically isn't his real accent. So yeah, <laughs> like I, w- I couldn't think of a single line from any movie that I could have said to uh, to make that work. Because in 300, he's, he doesn't really have his uh, Scottish accent. He's just yelling so much. Doesn't, doesn't really... Isn't uh... that the Scottish accent? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it's like in full effect. Yeah, no, no, he definitely doesn't. Yeah. All right, well... Well... <laughs> Now that that drag, oh, damn it! <laughs> now that that stalled, I, I totally messed that up. Uh, I was gonna make a joke about the joke not soaring. So when oh, we were it was about a movie. Oh, I thought it? you were going dragged on yeah, versus like, dragon. I, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it's dragon. <laughs> no, see, like that's, see, I should have gone. That would have been even easier. But uh, I just, I'm off my game, man. I'm just. I'm sitting here in the dark in my room alone. None, none, none of you guys are in the studio with me. He's this off time. his game because he's not on fuse right now. <laughs> well, look, after that slight hiccup, I think we can get back to. Uh, oh, there to we go. The oh man, back on track. All right, well, Boom. we are here to talk about How to Train Your Dragon Two. So let's do that. Let's go ahead and listen to the trailer for this film, and then come back and give everybody our review. Come on, bud. There's a whole other world of dragons out there. Unbelievable. What do you say? What should we name it? Itchy armpit it is. I bet you think you know a lot about dragons. Should I know you? No, but a mother never forgets. Every dragon has its secrets. I'll show them all to you. Did you know about this? That's your mother? Now you know where I get my dramatic flair. <laughs> he likes you. Wow. Something is coming. Something you've never faced before. What's down there? I alone control the dragons. Drago Bloodfist is a madman. I'll bloody his fist with my face if he tries to take my dragon. Uh, Dad, there's something you need to know. Oh boy. I know what you're gonna say. You're as beautiful as the day I lost you. <laughs> what a team now. Now what do you want to do? Drago's coming for our dragons. We have to stop him. Together. Don't worry, bud. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. You have the heart of a chief. That's my boy! And the soul of a dragon. You know that doesn't wash out. Cut them down! Dragon Rider's coming through! Fly these things! They're babies! They don't listen to anyone! Take them down, babe! Come on, bud! Hold on! Distract the Alpha! Have a nice flight! <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, baby! 
Alright, so that was the trailer for How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, this is obviously the sequel to How to Train Your Dragon 1. It's been about five years or so, and, you know, Burke is enjoying a nice, happy life of everybody having pet dragons and doing dragon things and having dragon sports games and having all this awesome time. And Hiccup is off, you know, mapping the world uh, with Toothless and finding all these new places and trying to discover new stuff. And uh, during the course of these discoveries, he learns about a, just uh, say, another person out there who may have some sort of influence on dragons and may become a threat to Burke in the future if nothing is done to stop him. So, Carson, why don't you start us off and let us know if uh, this film ended up working as well as the original did for you, or uh, if it just dragged on. <laughs> that that it, was pretty good. Uh, good job. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, give, I'll give you a clap for that one. Um, <laughs> well, you guys I, told me to do that joke, and I just I, I had to do it. Bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all you gotta you gotta bring it back and just beat it into the ground until I mean that's what sequels do. Yeah. So. And if it doesn't, maybe I could just go kill the alpha and reset time. We're, we're keeping in see, see keeping in theme. There. Yes. Yeah, that was good. You merged the two. <laughs> Why didn't this reset time? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Carson. Um. Yeah, like I mentioned, I very much enjoyed How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, I think it was definitely by far, still is, DreamWorks' uh, best animated feature. And um, I think with this sequel, I do think that it's not as good as the original, but it's definitely hits some of the same notes, and it is pretty much on the same level like i i feel like they were able to recapture a lot of the same uh magic and uh emotional intensity of the first movie and i really do think that this could be dreamworks uh toy story trilogy if it you know all pans out because i also didn't really i mean i like toy story 2 but i didn't think it was better than the first like everyone else did um but and i and that's how i kind of feel about how to train your dragon 2 is that it's it's very much on the same level as the first movie but i still think the first movie contains that sense of wonder and you know because it was just like the first time seeing it all and yeah and soaking it in um but there's definitely the sequel is no slouch like i i i think that uh we're you know instantly transported back into this uh magical world and uh i feel like the i feel like the the themes in the film are a lot are darker this time around and i, I was glad for that because this the trailer for this movie made it just look like total sequelitis like woo wacky woo like just we're cashing in and riding this dragon train till the end so hold on uh, let, me, let, let me let me question you about that real fast like in the trailer and there's been a couple trailers i don't know exactly which one you're talking about besides well, like the, 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 the full length one well there, there's been at least two full length ones i think but e- either way but besides the the black sheep bouncing through the like horn hairs of the alpha and the one guy saying, like, we can't ride these, these are babies. Um, but besides those two things, what in the trailer gave you the impression that it was just, like, kitty sequelitisness? 
Uh, probably because it was scored to that 30 Seconds to Mars song. <laughs> yeah, the Owls of Gahul. The Owls of Gahul just makes me, I don't know, it's just like a very upbeat song. And but, Okay, so, so after this episode's done, go to YouTube and search for the trailer for Dragon Age Origins, I think? Um, which is, uh, you know, like a video, an RPG video game for PC and whatever console it was, like, a couple years back. And that trailer is set to that same song, and I don't like, do you just associate that song being Kitty as because of the Ghouls trailer, or do you just think the song has a Kitty feel to it? Because to no, me, I, just, I think that song's pretty epic. No, it is, but I just feel like that it, the trailer that at least I saw felt very much like it was lighter and uh, it, it didn't have like a, I don't know, it had more of like a Shrek 2 feeling and not how... The first How to Train Your Dragon felt more mature than other DreamWorks properties. Um, but then again, it was just a trailer. So, But I feel like that whoever cut that trailer uh, poorly misjudged this movie because I don't think the movie is anything like it. Uh, I don't know. To me, it just it came off very much very kiddy and, and not how the first one was. All right. So, but I mean, I'm glad that it didn't turn out that way because I think there are a lot of, you know, it, it, it keeps that same maturity from the first movie because I think there's a lot of uh, heavy themes going down in this movie. Uh, and yeah, like I said, the the uh, the emotional intensity of the first film is carried over here. And uh, I, I appreciated that. I mean, there, and, and once again, like all the all the flying sequences are, are really spectacular. Like, I, I think the animation is actually better in this film than the first movie, uh, just in terms of like the detail on different characters, outfits and, you know, weapons and, the, you know, the different dragons. Uh, it's all really, really cool to look at. And um yeah, the, I mean, the flying scenes really put you front and center. And that first opening flying sequence is just, I mean, it's a really, really awesome scene. Like, I, I think it was in, like, the very first teaser that they put out. And yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this is Hiccup trying out his new suit. Yeah. Yeah. In the very, in the beginning. And, um, you know, and they're playing this like Jonesy song. You're just like, oh God, you're just done. Like I, like this is just, uh, you know, you can't help but, uh, feel happy about it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I was glad that the movie, uh, you know, achieved some of the same, or was able to recapture some of the same magic as the first. Like I said, obviously not, as good as the first movie, but I feel like it's definitely a worthy successor. It didn't feel like they were trying to just make a sequel because the first one was a hit. Like it felt like they were actually like putting effort and thought into making, you know, a good film and a movie that, you know, not only that kids will enjoy, but adults will enjoy too. And, uh, all the voice work is really great. Um, and like the new characters. The only thing that I kind of, the only criticism I kind of had was the, the villain in this one is like pretty flat. Like he doesn't really, the blood diamond dude. (laughs) Yeah. Jaiman, Jaiman Hanzu, um, (laughs) is the voice. Oh, I I pronounced it Digimon. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, uh, I-, I felt like his villain character was uh, not as well developed as he could have been, but that like dragon call or whatever that he had was somewhat frightening to me. Like the, uh, just like, <laughs> Oh, this is, this guy means business. <laughs> but, uh, I, I felt like overall he just wasn't as big. He didn't seem like as big of a threat. Cause like the way he's introduced is in a flashback and it just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like as developed as it could have been. But, uh, but damn, like those those big dragon fights were better than like any of the monster fights in Godzilla. So <laughs> suck it, Godzilla, because the dragons rule here. Anyway, I'll let Steven take it from here. Yeah, I mean, the as everyone who reviews this movie is going to say, the big question is how could they capture the magic a second time? Like, in my mind, what I really loved about the first movie, and I think what a lot of people loved was the way it it built up and you grow with the characters of you first see dragons as an enemy and then there's this kind of really just an amazing moment that happens in the movie between uh, Hiccup and Toothless where you start to feel them humanizing each other or dragonizing, <laughs> whatever, the, <laughs> whatever the word would be. And that, that sort of dynamic was just amazing in the first movie and the feeling of those big flight scenes were beautiful in the first movie, but largely they worked because you were feeling what it was like to fly for the first time. Yeah. And that, I, I, I don't know, you, you got that feeling of introducing something new. And just by definition, a sequel can't do that. Like, the only way they could have done it is if people forgot about dragons and now he has a son and his son rediscovers dragons <laughs> and does it again. Like, <laughs> like dragons are re-outlawed. That would have been bad. Yeah, exactly. go away. Like that, that would have been the Hangover Two method of doing this movie. Yeah, um, like so- somehow a Night Fury goes rogue and does something really bad, and then everybody hates dragons. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then they have to to learn again that dragons are actually peaceful creatures. And, and and so anyway, the big question is how can they redo the magic? And I think the answer is they didn't really. I mean, they like referenced the magic and they co opted some of the magic we had in the first movie, and they did a good job of homaging it and kind of reminding you of it but they couldn't recreate that feeling that the first movie gave you um they had to actually tell you a story this time of it's kind of like like making a romantic comedy and then having a sequel where now the people are together already and you're showing them living life and and like the only thing you can do is put them on some kind of new crazy adventure because you can't you can't redo the romance basically you have to make it different um so all that's fine, but what it amounted to me was a a very well done movie, which looked pretty and had the protagonists, uh, the voice actors that I like quite a bit. But it just kind of it, it felt much more like I was watching a movie that was targeting children that new adults would be watching, but was trying to make a fun story in you know an hour and forty minutes or something where it would hit highs and lows and it would get kind of dark, but everything was going to be resolved fairly quickly. Like tension never lasted too long. Um, I mean, some things were just a little off for me and I, I don't remember the, the identity of Kate Blanchett's character that's in the trailer, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So a big part of this movie is him meeting his mom for the first time. Um, 
after all of these years of not seeing her. And for how much screen time that was given and how like how big a part of the story it was, I thought that was a very kind of awkward or somewhat flat exchange. Like I don't I don't know how to explain it. There was something weird about it to me, just in the way they interacted and how quickly I felt like I was seeing scenes of a movie where they think kid reuniting with his mom is going to be special if she says X, Y, and Z, but it didn't play out in a realistic way for me. Um, and then the the kind of dark things that happen in this movie, again, they were given weight, but it wasn't it wasn't a weight that I felt the way that you felt like the lightness of flying with a dragon. It was much more watching something happen rather than actually feeling through the eyes of uh, of Hiccup. And like Carson said, the villain was also a little bit underwhelming. I don't mean to criticize too much. I only criticize because the first movie was flawless as far as I'm concerned. It was such a good movie. And this one felt much more just like a a pretty good DreamWorks movie that happens to have all the same characters of the first one. But when it comes to what actually made the first movie special, this just didn't really do that for me. Um Another thing that I loved about the first movie is it really was the first thing that made me look at 3D as a meaningful artistic expression rather than just a gimmick. Yeah. And and, and this movie was beautiful looking, but it the the flying scenes for me didn't carry that same sense of awe or depth. And maybe again that's just story-wise like the first movie hinges on how awe-inspiring it is so you can feel it in a way that this time you can't. It it'd be like if gravity were just people going back into space and nobody cares about it anymore. <laughs> like it might still look cool. It might still look cool, but since it isn't a major plot point, you're not sucked in the way that you were the first time. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to ramble too much because I did like it. I just had, I had more criticisms than I wanted to. And I'm curious how Chris felt before going more into that. All right. Well, I think that it's possible that I like this the most out of all of us um, because the things that you guys are complaining about are things that I did not complain about. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, my only complaint about the film at all is for some reason the voice actress for Astrid uh, bu- bugged me, and I and I, I remember asking I asked Carson the other day about this when it was I think it was around the time we were recording our Twenty Two Jump Street review or right before we started recording it. And I was like, is that the same actress? Because for some reason, she it felt like a completely different person. And I don't know if it was just the delivery of all the lines or what, but for some reason, it felt weird to me. Did I mean, Carson already said it didn't really bother him the other day, but did, did, did it feel weird to you at all, Stephen? I, I should mention that the first movie wasn't that fresh in my mind, so I don't know how it changed. I, I liked her. And in fact, the scene early in the movie of her kind of making fun of Hiccup I thought it was one of the more endearing character moments in the movie. Well, no, uh, that, so yeah, I'm. That, I, that, I like the. That, no, I, I agree with you. That moment worked worked for me totally. But I just, in general, for some reason, the the like I don't know if it was the cadence or the tone of the voice or what, but some, for some reason, it just kind of was like Ugh, was bothering <laughs> me. But um, I didn't I didn't notice it. And but again, like Stephen, the first movie wasn't particularly fresh in my mind. I mean, especially those supporting characters, since they they're kind of they have such little screen time anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember if there was any sort of like change in her voice. So yeah, I I, I and and like it, it's it's not fresh in my mind either. 
So it's just one of those things where my initial reaction was, oh, did they change that voice actress? Um, so it, it felt off enough to me, even having been as long as it has been, um, that just something felt off. But anyways, that's beyond the point because I really, really love this movie. Um, I... I, I, I can see the points you guys are making about the differences, but I think that it, it doesn't, I guess I'm not weighing those changes as much. Like the, the first one was different, definitely about uh, the discovery, the playfulness, like the best scenes in, in how to train your dragon. The first one uh, are the scenes where hiccup has first met toothless and they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of trying to react with each other, but they're like really timidly, engaging with each other with like, because they don't know whether the other person is going to hurt them or if they're going to be nice to them or what exactly they're they're doing and even as they start to become friends they're still not there's not not a complete trust there um and just just the 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 playful interactions where toothless is like you know has to eat the fish that he's like uh, or, or toothless spits out the fish and like tries to get hiccup to eat it and all those like basically all the scenes where toothless is basically being modeled after a cat or a dog like all those type of things were like there's this very playful nature that kind of brought you back and gave you those like childlike giggles of like this is pure just emotional happy that is being displayed on screen um and then also you have like you know the the big hero's journey type story that's also being thrown in there but a lot of a lot of how to train dragon one was the awe of what you're seeing and the emotion that you're feeling between these two characters. And I think that in this film, uh, you know, How to Train Your Dragon 2 is a bit more mature, but it's also a five years later look at these same characters. I think that feeling and that awe still carries through. And even though they don't get to take as much time to show that discovery, I think there's breadcrumbs that discovery all left through it. I mean, you know, instead of in the first one where you have uh, Toothless and Hiccup, and their interactions together. In this one, Toothless has another dragon that he's kind of uh, mm-hmm. interested in and trying to play with. And you get those same, like, cat, doggy, kind of, uh, you know, that, that childlike sense of wonder is happening always in the back of the frame. So, you know, Hiccup is uh, up, you know, in the foreground talking to somebody, explaining something. And in the background, you know, Toothless is trying to, like, essentially flirt and play with this other dragon. And, like, you're still getting that same wonderment, but it's happening kind of in the periphery and you have to pay attention to it to like fully pull that but i mean you know my entire entire audience is laughing and giggling at it and like seeing it happen and um there's there's just a lot of care that's being taken to make sure that that stuff is still in the film even though the film as a whole is a lot um a lot darker story in general um Mm -hmm. beyond that like just the like in uh hiccup is a lot like the character of flint lockwood from uh claudio the chance of meatballs like he's he's basically an inventor and a very timid guy who uh has to kind of use his inventions to overcome things like that's kind of the uh that that's the like archetype of that character and like in this he is advanced so far technologically and they don't spend a lot of times where he has to like explain how like i twist this little thing and it does this and then try to explain like i haven't you know he's not having the like uh you know spray on shoes where he's like explaining all the devices he just uses them in an interesting way where you can see how it's been five years and in the five years of time he has put time into figuring out how to you know help toothless's rig as he flies and how to create his own wingsuit so that he can fly and and uh you know the the like flame sword with like the dragon gas stuff like all 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 the sick ass inventions that he has that all are big 
little they are little things that show in a big way like who he is as a person and like how that character even though he's much older now is still sort of that same guy um and and obviously since you know before it was like oh i don't want to fight dragons because you know i'm puny and maybe dragons aren't that bad well now if the if the if the city isn't isn't being ravaged by dragons anymore he can't have that same story of like eh, i don't want to fight things like everybody else he has to have some other way to show his his progression and stuff and like you know they're showing that in a bunch of different ways um you know you talked about uh steven you talked about the 3d um really like that being your first real crazy 3d experience where you felt like no 3d makes sense and it's artistic and it's not just a gimmick to to you know, to raise the ticket price. Um, but I think like literally I, I was, you know, I was halfway joking with, uh, uh, Carson back before we recorded 22 Jump Street again, um, that like every single shot of this movie I want as like desktop backgrounds. Like this is like, it, it's like, it's like Prometheus where it's like all those opening shots of the planet. You're like, this is freaking amazing. There's a shot where, uh, and it's the same one that I referenced to you again, Carson. Uh, there's a shot with Hiccup, like, standing facing away from the camera. And the background is, like, fully blurred. But there's, like, a raging fire off in the distance. And he's just holding this bow. And it's, like, the most epic hero shot of all time. And, I don't know, it's, like, every single, th- like, I don't know, just the the, the art style, the, uh, the, the little emotional beat stuff is still there. Um, sometimes in the background, but still there. And I didn't really have a problem with, with the villain in general. Like, obviously, he doesn't get a lot of, of time, but that's sort of the way it's supposed to be, is Hiccup doesn't real Like, we get as much background to that character as Hiccup does. And Hiccup just wants to do the right thing and wants to go out. Like, he's not like, yeah, I'm awesome and tough now. I'll go kill this bad guy. He's like, well... Maybe I could just talk to the bad guy and make him understand that he shouldn't be a bad guy. <laughs> like, this, this, this naive... <laughs> he, he's older now, but he still has this naive, childlike um, understanding of, you know, there there is evil in the world. And if you try to approach everything as this naive child, um, then possibly bad things are going to happen. And uh, I, I don't know, I just... I. For me, the lack of background of that villain didn't... It wasn't a problem at all because... We didn't need to know what it was. We just needed a few moments to show that he is a viable threat mm-hmm. and that, uh, you know, everyone, including Hiccup, including, like, you know, every all the people of Burke are a- actually at in danger because of his presence. And I think I can agree with that. I didn't I didn't need too much more backstory on him. It, it was more a matter of pacing in general. I, f- I felt like... And maybe this movie was just too short <laughs> for me. Maybe that was the problem. I felt like the distance between recognizing him as a real threat and deciding that, oh, actually, he can be overcome had to be like 10 or 15 minutes, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that sort of pacing made him feel... It, it made the villain not feel like it earned the buildup. Like, it takes so long to really show you him, and then it's so quick into... Yeah. Demasculating him, kind of. It it took it took away from the villainy aspect to me. It didn't, uh, and, and maybe maybe just in general. Sorry, if you want to talk about the villain, you should jump into that because I was going to switch gears to some other oh, points. Oh no, Chris I just was going to say that it just didn't feel as substantial as mm-hmm. I guess it should have been. Like, uh, yeah, I just think that there were a lot. I mean, even the stuff with the mom, and there's some other 
major scenes that I feel like they happen and then almost in the next scene it's just like okay we're on to the next thing yeah like, like now we're riding baby dragons right exactly and it's just like wouldn't you be <laughs> well that's because the other dragons weren't around yeah oh, but it's just like wouldn't you be destroyed like i'm just I, talking tonally yeah yeah tonally yeah, yeah no tonally it's just like very very shifting very quickly um and and i think maybe part of that is because uh the movie was short. I don't know. Like I, I would have preferred maybe a little more time spent on some of the things. Cause it, it did. I do think it comes down to what Steven said, the pacing, like it, it does, it feels, it's all very quickly paced. Like I, I actually thought that like when the movie ended, I was like, Oh, like it's, it was over very quickly. And, mm. and a lot of the stuff in the movie feels like, you know, that they're, they're just running at 90 miles an hour. And, there isn't quite as much time spent on certain things like how the first movie I felt like really took its time to ease into things and really get into the characters and stuff. Uh, and here it doesn't feel that way. It's just kind of like, go, 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 go. And then, and, and to be done. fair, it, it's harder for this movie too. Cause the first movie was so personal and kind of uh, yeah small in scope. And this movie is That's huge, like a little bigger, huge effect. Um, and, and, I, and I will say before you jump on to the next thing because I, I forgot to mention you talked about the stuff of the mother and that, that you know that that is one of the major things that makes it feel like this is paced possibly incorrectly or just not as perfectly as it could be is you know you're, you're right Stephen like you said that like he's he's meeting his mother for the first time and uh, it's 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 a huge deal but he really quickly adapts to it. It, it, it quickly gets over yeah. that as being a weird thing and becomes like, Oh, now we're like a happy family. Um, and I think they kind of, they, they may have recognized that, uh, that it was going to feel like that. And I think that the, the song that they add to the movie, um, for that scene, I think that's supposed to be shorthand for like, everything's good now. Like that song is supposed to communicate all we need to. And I think, Hiccup, like Hiccup, Hiccup has always had Toothless and, or not always, but I mean, you know, since the last film, Hiccup has been like married at the hip with Toothless mm-hmm. and uh, his dad, uh, Stoic, has always wanted him to be a certain way and he couldn't. So he's, there's always been this strained relationship um, between his dad. But now all of a sudden he finds out that he has this mother who is a lot more like him and in being able to see the way his dad sees his mother, then like I totally bought into the idea that like in realizing the love he had for her, even though she was the way she was, then maybe even though he always feels like he's disappointing his dad, really his dad probably sees his mother in him. And like it, I, for me, I was, it it seemed like that the, the three of them would come together really quickly, maybe not as quickly as the film portrayed it as, Mm. but I, 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 it, I, I accepted the shorthand of that musical cue and um, didn't rest on it too long. And you're right. I, I also saw that as shorthand and thought it was a very well done scene. Um, it just didn't. It didn't undo to me that so much of this time, this movie, and maybe if I actually went out with a stopwatch and measured it, I would be wrong. But it felt like a lot of the movie was just showing the bonding and the having fun. So so much so that the big ups and downs, like the huge peaks and lows, were kind of condensed too much. I, I, I don't know. It just seems like it could have been paced better. 
but but to go back to a more broad point, I think the fact that the movie was not fresh in my mind when I watched it meant that... So when I came into this movie, I was not... There wasn't some love for all the characters and the world that I was inheriting immediately. I was kind of needing to remember and be reminded of it again. And the way the movie is done feels more like it jumps kind of in media res, like right away we're back where we started. Look, these are all the characters again. They don't really need an introduction. We're flying around. We're doing stuff. And and I think just that feeling of of needing to catch up and not having not having the magic already kind of reverberating from the first time maybe made me see this film differently than I would have if if I were very much remembering the character of Hiccup and his relationship with Toothless and with his father and Astrid's character and all of that. Like may- maybe if I were more more invested to begin with, if it hadn't been so many years in between, I would have I wouldn't have minded so much. I could have I could have let the first movie be what it was and then let the second movie be the the icing on top, which shows me how they grew. Uh, I, I think I think though, just sorry, sorry I don't want to cut you <laughs> off, but I I think that the film the opening to this film is plotted exactly for you mm. and this concern that you have because it starts off with like fun dragon game. Aren't dragons awesome? And Stokes like, yeah, dragons are awesome. Mm-hmm. Like love this place. And then like the other guy, I forget his uncle, like Hiccup's uncle or dad's friend or whoever the hell he's supposed to be. Um, he's like, you know, where where's Hiccup? And then smash cut to Hiccup being his himself getting those moments where he gets to to you you kind of get to re-experience the bond that he has with Toothless and then Astrid shows up and like you know the scene that you said that was like one of the most endearing scenes of the film happens right there too and it's like right from the beginning of the film we start with yay fun dragons are cool aren't you glad you're seeing another dragon movie and then cut to like but before we go on let's remind you guys how this movie makes you feel and then continue the film it it did it the only way I can explain it is when the movie started, I felt like I was watching something fun and wishing I were involved in the fun. And I was to a degree, <laughs> but it was it wasn't it was more like, oh man, I should really be into this right now. They're clearly like I'm supposed to be picking up where I left off. <laughs> and I just didn't I couldn't catch up to it, I guess. <laughs> uh, and maybe maybe to go along with that. I think when you take the two movies together, you can see huge character growth in Hiccup. I'm not sure in this movie, if I start from the beginning to end, I feel a journey that he went on as a character. Yeah. Um, it see, it, it, I, maybe I'm not explaining that correctly, but I definitely didn't feel like, look where he is now, look at how this is an evolution of what he had been before. It It just felt like things cool very well done things but still just things were happening I, it, it didn't feel personal to me the way the first movie did i i think the pro the problem is that like we join the film after he's made the journey like it's almost like some of this journey has been made in the five years between the films mm-hmm. um in in story mode but then also there is an arc for uh like so there's there's something that is wanted from hiccup from the story and when he gets it at the end, there's sort of no choice but for that to have been accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like he is not, he he like he less 
he's more thrust into the situation than gets to experience the change of wanting to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that might take away from sort of the journey aspect of it because it's literally like, um, like I, I can't literally can't think of an analogy that would not be directly spoilerish. But let's just say that it's like, uh, you know, like if I said I want you to drink this drink, that's really good. And you're like, no. So I put you in a tank with no oxygen and your choice was to only to drown or to drink away the liquid until there was oxygen in there. Um, (laughs) It's a really good analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I know that doesn't make much sense, but I think you know what I'm getting at. No, it it isn't a personal choice anymore. We're talking about the sex scene in the movie, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, no, I, I see what you're saying. And the thing is, I almost feel bad criticizing this because it could have largely had to do with my my mood i think so i saw this in the theater with very few people none of whom were children (laughs) right after you watched that abortion comedy (laughs) not back to back but (laughs) shortly thereafter (laughs) um i i watched this this is gonna sound funny i watched it in a 21 plus show (laughs) of this movie so there were zero Uh kids and it was kind of a late show so there wouldn't have been anyway (laughs) there were maybe there were maybe like 10 people in the theater and so I, I didn't get the energy of being surrounded by people where maybe if I wasn't clicking, they would have kind of pushed me into it uh, the yeah. way that these movies kind of can, where even if even if I hadn't been in the first movie, hearing the way the kids are like astonished at the scenes would have just like melted me, right? <laughs> it would have immediately reminded me of, look, this is a great kids movie and I can feel it too now. And, yeah. and without that that first part of of feeling the excitement and being able to sort of click, even if the movie didn't click me in right away. I, I think that kind of made it, it, it just, I wasn't rolling with the movie the way I, I should have been. It, it was like, I was watching things play out, but I never completely synced up with the characters. I don't think. Yeah. Well, to my, my, uh, semi counterpoint would just be, uh, I, you know, once again, this is something I told Carson, uh, back, I think after we were done recording our 22 jump street review. Um, but my theater watching experience was to my right, a gaggle of, uh, young women. Mm-hmm. I think it was either an older sister or a mother and daughters or sisters, um, talk through the entire trailers and through parts of the movie, the kid in front of me kept putting his arms over his head and back like onto my knee Mm -hmm. and instead of being like a normal human who's like oh i touched somebody i should move my hand he would just like (laughs) dead hand it (laughs) i had to move my knees so that this like weird kid is trying to feel you up and then the the kid behind me would just kick my chair and like not like oh oops i bumped that i'm sorry because i'm dumb he would like put his foot on the chair and then go and just push or he'd want to adjust his seat and his feet didn't touch the ground so he'd put his feet up on my chair and shove himself back up to get a better seat in his seat um and somehow i, I didn't walk away hating this movie like i was able to ex- put all that away and ignore it and the guy, like, up and to the left who kept picking out his cell phone and turning it on and looking oh, at it. Oh, man. Um, and somehow I still was able to, like, vibe off this film and really enjoy it. Maybe that was the kid's way of saying that they didn't think it was as good as the first movie. 
Maybe. Or maybe that was the younger brother, that kid who was talking through the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, he's like, this is what you keep talking about my brother on your podcast. Yeah. Or, or maybe the kids, the only lesson they got out of this was that the little ones don't have to listen to the alpha. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the baby ones just do what they do. And... They do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to be like them. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, what were we talking about? Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Children. <laughs> children who <laughs> suck. No, did, did I did I cut somebody off? I thought, or was that I don't earlier? think so. No, I, I mean, okay. you were just giving a counterpoint, and you, so that's true. So you don't need, you didn't need the perfect conditions to enjoy the movie. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. All, all I can say is, if conditions had been a little different, I can imagine watching the same thing and vibing off it 100%. Like, yeah, especially yeah. if I had a younger sibling or if I were a father, but thankfully I'm not yet. Um, <laughs> but if, if I were, I would love this movie. Like, like, don't get me wrong. On the curve of kids' movies, this is great. It's definitely a wonderful kids' movie. Um, just the absence of that, the first movie had this magic thing that could reel me in despite not being the target demographic maybe yeah. maybe i was the target demo i don't know um this just didn't this i couldn't watch it without that implicit caveat of this is a kids movie meant for kids therefore it will be it'll be short it will compress things the lows will be low but they won't be they won't last very long um and I don't know. The the need for that caveat makes me a little sad for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me sad for this movie, too. Mm. Yeah. Does anybody (laughs) else have any other comments about it? Um... No, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I really, really enjoyed the movie, uh, and I think that, you know, I'm glad that it was a success and not just, uh something that felt unnecessary but it it does have that feeling of um where in the moment you're wrapped up in it but then you know after it's over and like you know as i'm sitting here now it's like my feeling toward the film is almost non-existent like it's not how the feeling i have for the first how to train your dragon or something like toy story 3 where you know I walked out and still to this day, I'm like, those movies are, you know, going to be around till the end of time. Like that is a film that will stick with the, you know, that will stick around. Um, And that's probably due to the fact that, you know, it is a sequel. And as much as they, you know, are able to rebottle some of the magic, it's still not going to be as good as the first time. So, you know, it just it doesn't have that that wow feeling that the first movie really gave off, and um, I think that's just like the one element that's holding it back to being just you know oh this is you know a a new classic or something. But maybe with How to Train Your Dragon three, it'll be like the Toy Story three of this trilogy, and it'll just you know blow the other two out of the water. I don't know. Well, I I will say also that uh, that that my love for this film 
is mostly from a moment to moment, um, just feeling and vibing off of their presenting of the information, not necessarily on the information itself. So it's not like I'm walking away going like, oh yeah, this story was like so great because of this and this and this. It's really like individual scenes um, of of brilliance. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Hiccup and Toothless on the little cliff overlooking the new world mm-hmm. and their interactions together. Um, the, the scene where he first meets his mother, but she hasn't revealed herself to him um, is an incredibly badass scene mm-hmm. like just the, the way that she appears yeah that was cool. um, you know yeah pretty much out of nowhere the the like sort of test she gives him like not like doesn't present him with a test uh, but like she is sort of just observing him to try to get a gauge for who he is and and how he's going to act and like the way he responds to her just in those moments are just so those are just freaking brilliant like um it, and, and like super epic too like this is like i don't know like obviously the trailer gives away that it's his mother and i'm i am curious to um to kind of see what it would have been like to watch the film not even knowing that it was a woman character just just seeing this weird person in this like super crazy armor that completely obscures the face and and like hides the identity and it just has this like witch doctory um crazy creature look to it um just really awesome uh when she goes off to try to show him the world of dragons and like what she knows about dragons like that scene's pretty awesome where they're just like flying around and hanging out in the wind currents and stuff like that like there's a lot of greatness this movie and it just looks like a million bucks to me too like it just oh yeah visually (laughs) i mean i already said it and i can say it a million times but like to, to put this in context though like Yes, this is the newest animated film I've seen, and just because the way the technology works, it's going to look better than older things, but I was over at my cousin's house this past weekend, and uh, they had Brave on in the living room, and everything in that movie, except for Merida's hair, looks like trash. Like, (laughs) that movie is the ugliest cg movie i've ever seen and i remember watching it and thinking like oh you know, like this looks pretty good but it, it like it looks terrible comparatively to how to train your dragon 2 like it, it, and obviously it's not it's not looking photoreal it's just it's very stylized but it just looks so freaking good like every inch of everything you see even you can actually right now on the apple trailer page they have the first five minutes of the film up there so you can watch it um just go watch it and watch the introduction of the panning over of of the uh, the city of Burke or town of Burke or country of village? Burke. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, village. The the Viking like establishment that is known as Burke. Um and it just it looks amazing and uh, they do this really awesome depth of field stuff which I don't know if that's they just hype it extra in the 3D version or if in the 2D version they're still you know laying on the depth of field that that intensely but I thought it looked stellar, and uh, no, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's visually amazing for sure. I mean, the animation, like I said, I thought was even more spectacular than the first movie, and 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 in many ways, this movie does everything that Brave was trying to do, but a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. I feel like they kind of have similar themes and uh, and and a similar story, but but it does everything 
much much better than, than for brave the record did. this was much better than brave yeah <laughs> i will certainly give it that <laughs> yeah but i uh, i just thought i i do think there were a lot of similarities so I, i'm glad you brought that up because i i forgot about that but it, i think there are definitely some similarities in this movie this movie tackles them executes them a lot better than brave did yeah and also in terms of animation like this is this is like night and day i feel like compared to uh something like mr peabody which was also dreamworks that came and out sherman and sherman yeah <laughs> yeah don't forget sherman. Uh, well, i can't forget sherman um but yeah mr peabody and sherman which was also a dreamworks release this year uh i feel like you know when you're comparing those two movies it's just it's a huge difference uh animation wise yeah so yeah i can't disagree i mean the movie looks amazing <laughs> i would I would be a fool to criticize it for that. It, it, it's definitely a great looking movie. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that probably brings us about to. Oh, do we do want to have a spoiler section real fast? Just to talk about the one big thing that every podcast is going to have a spoiler section to talk about. Sure. All right. All right. But that means I'm well, going to get. Go. I'm going to get my joke in now, which is that I hope they make the third movie uh, where the dragon learns to dance with Miles Teller and it's going to be called Tooth, <laughs> Tooth Loose. <laughs> oh, I'd watch the shit out of that. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> that sounds like a Madagascar uh, 3 route right there. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I was going to I was gonna make this comment when we were talking about Madagascar earlier, but then I, I didn't and I didn't want to bring it back to us, but since you just referenced Madagascar again, um, I'm going to do it now. Uh, I hate myself because they showed the stupid trailer for the, the, the penguin offshoot, <laughs> yes. and it, it don't like don't confuse what I'm saying. I don't want to see that movie. But no, I think you do. I the the scene where he starts eating the cheesy puffs, <laughs> and just the way it kept cutting back to him, and he had more and more cheese on his face, and it was just the dude. That shit was hilarious. I like it was like four bites in, and I was like, <laughs> oh damn it. <laughs> I just like was so pissed that it made me Dude, laugh. Dude, the penguins are uh, the funniest parts of those movies. Um, I'm, I, I'm gonna watch. I think it looks hilarious. Well, you're gonna watch it even if you don't think well, it's hilarious. Of course, so but I mean, like, I, I think it does look pretty funny. the The penguin characters <laughs> are are the funniest characters. <laughs> they're the, right, well, they're anyway, the wackiest. So, sorry for the digression. I just had to get that off my chest so I could feel a little bit better about it. Um, but anyways. So we are going to close up the show now and get to our verdict. Then uh, tell everybody where they can find us. Music will fade in and then it'll fade out and we're going to have a short spoiler segment. So let's go ahead and do the verdicts now. Carson, if you're going to give this a must-see, a reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I think I'm going to give it like a very, a very heavy recommend with a caveat. Uh, caveat being... I don't know. It's not as good as the first movie, but I, it's just, I feel like, I feel like if you were to like pull me right as I exited the theater, I would have said must see, but I feel like after like I've, you know, after a week has gone by, like I feel like I just don't have as much enthusiasm for it as like I would the first movie where I was just like, you know, I mean, people who've listened to the show know because like that the entire rest of 2010 was all like have you seen how to train your dragon uh on every episode so like i feel like 
How to Train Your Dragon 2, not going to be that high of a status uh, where we're constantly re- referring to it again. So that's why I feel like I'm... I'm going like I'm on the I'm on the cusp, but I I think that you know, I really enjoyed the film, and I think if you enjoyed the first movie, probably gonna enjoy the second one. I don't think it is unnecessary, but I do think that you know, it has its flaws in that it doesn't quite take its time as the first movie did, and it just feels like it's it's paced very quickly and and. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the animation alone, though, is worth seeing on the big screen, so that should be the ultimate uh, reason to go see it. All right, Steven? Yeah, I am in the same boat, giving it a very strong recommend with a caveat. Um, the caveat being the same one I've been uh, mentioning throughout, which is that this is much more so than the first movie. This, in my mind, needs to be judged on the children's movie scale. Uh, it's really beautifully done. I-, I can appreciate what they did with the characters and how they managed to make a fairly big, compelling story out of out of the original. Um, but at the same time, it just didn't it didn't capture the magic for me that the first one or a Where the Wild Things Are type movie did, where it just pulled me in with an with wonder. I I didn't get that going into this movie. And even if you do love it, I imagine, like Carson said, I don't think this will be the sort of game changer at the end of the year that that it was in 2010. Like, I think the Lego movie is worlds away better than this movie. Way Um, better. Yeah. And which is fine. You know, you can't you can't always be completely innovative. That would be that would be ridiculous. Like you've got to also <laughs> give the kids what they want—a big, a big story that shows them what happened to the characters. But so are, are you saying that not everything can be awesome? No, no. Oh, you, yeah, that's you got, true. You everything is a, not awesome. You got to have a couple Mr. Peabody and Shermans in there. So <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the second verse of the Tegan and Sarah song, is, <laughs> except for Peabody and Sherman. <laughs> anyway, uh, strong recommend, but. Unfortunately, there is a caveat. How about you, Chris? Well, while you guys are all sitting in the same boat, I'm going to stand off on the shore, say a little prayer for you guys, and shoot an arrow <laughs> in your boat and catch it on fire. <laughs> Which is also a 300 <laughs> callback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because uh, I think this is a must-see. I mean, this movie's freaking awesome. <laughs> Not as awesome it's, as the Penguins of Madagascar, it, obviously. It's at least like 20 times better than Peabody and Sherman. <laughs> Oh, well, um, of course, I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, to put things in perspective, um, I did see the original How to Train Your Dragon in theaters four times, and three of those times I was dragging people to make sure they you saw it. You were dragging it, them. Um, which is the same amount of times I saw Inception, which, if you guys remember from this podcast, is like one, probably my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, this one, I haven't already made dates to uh, drag people to go see How to Train Your Dragon How to Train Your Dragon 2. However, I have told lots of people, go see How to Train Your Dragon 2. Um, I don't know if I'll catch it again in theaters just because, you know, time constraints and stuff. Um, but I, I did love it. Um, the things that are in the first film that made me love it are present in this film. Um, you know, maybe maybe the pacing has a little bit of issues. Uh, maybe um, maybe maybe it's just not a perfect gem of a film, but it has these 
moments of pure um, awesomeness, pure epicness, uh, pure heartfelt stuff. Hey, toot. Um, <laughs> way to undermine that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just, I, I really loved it, and um, I have to give it a must see. So there you go. And that is the end of the regular uh, non-spoilery segment of the show. So, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, facebook.com slash sdavidmiller, or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of back episodes of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning to figure out when the episodes go live or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use a little form on our site under the contact section or you can leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to How to Train Your Dragon 2. So hopefully you're enjoying that. Music is going to fade up. And for those of you who either don't mind spoilers or have already seen the film, we're going to come back in just a moment to talk about a major event that takes place in the film. Everyone else, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you go see the movie. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. And since I always mention it uh, at the very end when we talk about music, uh, the score in this movie, uh, John Powell, once again... Uh, killing it with the score I think uh, the the blending of the theme from the first movie into you know new themes in this film uh, you know it worked I, I, you know of course another great thing about the first movie is it has a really good theme so anytime they start pumping that in you're just like ah yes yeah it, it is a badass, badass little anthem there and you know it is kind of cheating if he's just gonna like fill the soundtrack with like four versions of that same song <laughs> or, um, or remixes of, them is, of that uh jonesy e- song but but e- each of them is really awesome and they are used to uh very epic um ends i guess like they're yeah i mean they're used well they're incorporated yeah. well for the content in which they are being played under yeah definitely and since i always have to end with a pun I'll say if they don't do Toothless as the next movie, then they should have Danny DeVito and Bette Midler show up and have Toothless people, which would also be very good. <laughs> I'd see that too. All right. It was better than Toothless in Seattle or Toothless in a Saddle. I couldn't figure out what to do with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. Everyone else, we'll be back with spoilers. Okay, so you are currently listening to Spoiler Territory. This is after the regular podcast. We are going to get into one major extreme spoiler for How to Train Your Dragon 2. So if you're listening and you haven't seen the movie or you care, shut this off real fast now because dangerous spoilers are coming. Um, yeah, we're going to spoil this bitch. Yep. Yeah. And uh, 
So the big thing to talk about is that DreamWorks was brave enough oh. to take out uh, Stoic. Yes. Stoic uh, is G-Buds. no more. He's so sad now. Poor G-Buds. Poor G-Buds. Yeah. And uh, so earlier I referenced a gaggle of girls that were in the seats to my direct right during the film. Uh, one of the girls like turned to the older one, either the sister or the mother, if, if off, on the off chance she's listening, she's very happy right now that I confused her with possibly being the daughter. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, the, the younger one turned to the older one and said, so is the theme of this movie trade your mother for your father? Yes. So what do you guys think of, uh, of, uh, of, of that act? Um, I, I, well... I'll start off by saying what I told you after 22 Jump Street was I'm shocked they released this film on Father's Day weekend. <laughs> Just, I mean, DreamWorks got ballsy with that move. I, I, I almost feel like they should have swapped the release dates for Chef and How to Train Your Dragon 2 because I felt like obviously this would have been just played like you know, gangbusters on Mother's Day weekend. And then it'd be, it'd be like doing yeah. obvious child on Mother's Day. Weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I feel like they, you know, that's, that's too obvious. of a Right. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like, you know, a movie, uh, a movie like chef, which came out on Mother's Day weekend, which is a f- film that celebrates fathers. So it's just like, mm. I feel like they should have swapped those two movies. So it's kind of strange that they did that. But, uh, I, I, w- I was surprised that they went there. I, I thought for sure that he was going to like, you know, the dust would settle and then he'd just be like, oh, I'm okay. I'm Gerard Butler, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was like, I was like, there's no, no way that fool's dead. And then it cuts to the scene that I said was super awesome looking where like, yeah, Give, giving, him the, the, giving him the Viking burial all, oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm all, oh, he dead. Oh, Unfortunately, he- <laughs> it was, it was spoiled for me or not spoiled, but. I read a review which mentioned that it got very dark and weighty, and I knew right there, like, someone is going to die. And then when that happened, like, yeah, I didn't have a moment of questioning whether they were going to stick to it or not. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but I'm glad that they, they stuck with it and they didn't uh, chicken out. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that they did it. I just feel like they uh, they threw a very heavy scene in there. It was, it was kind of like your your issue with Spider-Man 2, Chris, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. How yeah. the, I guess I won't spoil another movie, but a, a person dying in that movie, there was not a long period of grieving no. after that. Yeah, it was kind yeah, of yeah. like jump and then you're back sort of in comic book land again. And that's how or I felt how about... I met your mother. <laughs> Similar <laughs> issues. Um, that's, well, that's how I felt about this movie too, like... You know, Stoic dies, and then the next scene, they're like, "Gotta ride these baby dragons." Bro. Yeah, and it and it was actually played played for laughs right yeah. away. It wasn't like with these people. It was so odd. Like you don't see well, recurring pain in uh, in Hiccup at all, right? It's no. confined to that one scene, and then it's done. Well, you, you don't. So <laughs> they they do have. I'm, I'm making all these stupid ass excuses for this movie. Um, <laughs> so much like they use the shorthand of the song to like get past the like period of time it would take to suddenly have your mother back in your life um they they use the shorthand of hiccup gives a rousing speech of like vengeance talk Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, and, and that, that moment is genuinely badass. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, it's not that like he is that well-spoken. It's just, you can tell like it, there's, there's, um, th- there's something behind that. And I'm, I'm not even, uh, I'm not even that, uh, like the, the period of time it takes him to get over specifically Stoic's death doesn't bother me as, as much because of the context of like, they know there's not enough time because like Burke is about to be destroyed. Um, uh, and, and he did, does give the speech. So like for me, the real thing is that we have yet to see any ramifications of the fact that it was toothless that does it. Um, if it was just like, if, if the alpha would have killed stoic, um, well, technically it did, but, <laughs> um, if like, if, if another dragon would have just attacked stoic and then he was dead, um, that would have been, it would have been different than the fact that it is toothless. And, you know, like there is the moment where toothless comes out of the spell from the alpha and he's kind of like, well, what's going on? And he does like shoo him away and tells him to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really isn't carried on. No, very far. Yeah. Like, so I think that's really the part that bothers me that and sort of, it's a little, I don't like, I forget. There's another movie we reviewed in the last year or six months or something to where, uh, well, I I'll, I won't even try to compare it to the movie. I can't remember. I'll I'll, I'll make the joke of uh, like the Nicholas Sparks movies, to where there's always like a bad ex husband and then the new good guy who's mm-hmm. gonna make her life better, and they have to find a way to kill the ex husband or somehow get him out of the picture so that it's not weird that there's like a love triangle going yeah, on yeah. now. Um, it felt sort of like that sort of scenario to where it's like okay, so. Uh, his dad really, really wants him to become the chief of their Viking village, and he doesn't want to. Um, also, uh, you know, he needs a parent who can actually uh, believe in him and feel like he is, like, as great as his potential is worthy of him being. And they fix both those problems by killing his dad, <laughs> <laughs> who, he, who he felt uh, possibly didn't think he was as great as he could be. And then re- replacing him with the mom. Yeah. So they're like they kind of they kind of they they did a brave thing, but then copped out real fast by making sure it wouldn't. End. Like I'm totally fine with the arc of of him having to rise to be chief because dad passed away. Um, but you don't have to have his dad asking him to be chief. And like it makes more sense if he rises up not out of necessity, but but out of like. Uh, just it, it comes upon himself to feel like i'm gonna go on in my dad's mm-hmm. wake not like my dad deemed me that i have to and now i'm not going to yeah I'll, i, I almost wonder if it would be if it would have been stronger if the mom character wasn't his mom she was just some like badass dragon protector and then his dad died and he just kind of had to step up and I'm a man. To the streets. Yeah, he had yeah. to step up to the streets and be a man uh, and, yeah. and sort of take over. Like, he was immediately thrust into the role of chief, and he, you know, decided to, you know, I will definitely take it on now. Yeah, I, I don't think I even minded any of this so much as in the movie, I would want this to be that pivotal scene happens. His dad dies. The dragons all leave. This guy is controlling everyone, including Toothless. And then time goes by. You don't have to show it too much, but 
time goes by and the guy is like wreaking havoc. Yeah. And then after a period of needing to gain strength, then he comes back and rescues people. Instead of what it was. (laughs) So basically, to go back to the Spider-Man analogies, you have the older Spider-Man films where where he literally loses his powers <laughs> yeah. and he has to get them well, no, back. Dude, he spent, I, I just need him to Spider-Man dance on tables were, and talk yeah, about exactly. for a little bit. <laughs> but, but then, yeah. yeah. How to Train Your Dragon Rises. Yeah, yeah. No, but that I, it, it wouldn't need to be to that degree even. It just would, it would be something where you would then feel the magnitude of the villain and the deepness of his sadness and how hard it is for him to rise up and be chief. Yeah. Instead, well, all of I, this happens... In the span of, even in movie time, what would it be like an hour or two? Like, like it just it, it, boom, feel, it feels even dead. less than that. I'm sad. He's gone. Yeah, we're coming back. The guy's about to attack. We stopped him. Hooray! The end. Right. It, it it just didn't. It tried to have big themes and deep themes, but it didn't carry the weight that I would have liked it to carry. Yeah, and it could have done that yeah. even with its short runtime if it just kind of plotted things a little differently. Yeah. And, and and theoretically, that, that there was a, a period of time that passed before that burial happened. It wasn't like a like just push rocks on top of them and then um, go. Like I'm assuming there was some sort of there's a a period of time that took place before that happened. Um, just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Just they took another shorthand and skipped to uh, in case you didn't think he was dead. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. but do you guys agree that it, it may have been stronger had uh, his mom not been his mom? And then, so that they didn't just like swap one parental figure for another. What, what, what actually would have been really interesting, but far darker than I think they would have ever gone to, is that if, um, since the mother has the same skill that Hiccup does if the guy didn't have control over an alpha, but had control over her, mm, mm. and that she was actually... That would be dark. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not not like under his control, like through hypnotism, but like he was basically just a, like, you know, like a just a that bad of a dude and was making her do all this stuff. And she didn't even know that Hiccup was her son. And um, she kills Stoic. And yeah, I, I, I think there's That would have been of, crazy. That would have yeah, been like, super I think, dark. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it it could potentially be pretty epic. No, but, no, um, it could have. I just say I don't. That's like yeah, that's per, that's like way heavy for for DreamWorks. Yeah, that's like that's encroaching on uh on like Toy Story three them entering the the incinerator. Yeah, that would have been cool though. <laughs> like I, I feel like maybe that would have been you know different approach to the, I don't know, but I think it would have been. Uh, I think it may have been been a little bit stronger had she not been his mom. Yeah, it at least would have made room for more, the rest of the story to flesh out a little bit. Yeah, if you didn't well, have to have all the bonding, uh, right? The bonding moments. It could just be they, they, her showing him how to do stuff, and he's all like, "Oh, sweet, like a dragon protector, like me, or something." Well, what they could have even done to to back up from my ultra dark take on it, and to just skew a little bit towards Carson's take, is if it's still his mother, but he doesn't discover that until Stoic sees. Oh her. yeah. So so he meets her. She's like, oh, wow, you're good with dragons, too. Oh, you mean you're not trying to kill dragons? Hey. And then he goes, hey, there's this bad guy. And she's like, oh, is it this Drago, whatever his name is? 
Um, and then they team up and then he's like, dad, dad, I found somebody to help us. And he's like, oh my God. And he like <laughs> realizes that it's You're her. as beautiful as the day I left her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, why did she never go back? I didn't understand that. Uh, because she thought it better to stay yeah, away. Yeah, she thought it was better to stay away. And <laughs> she just with had the one of these crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she knew that she was going to rub off on her son and <laughs> that her dad, Whoa. her okay. husband. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, Steven. I- ignore that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I can't now. Uh, <laughs> it's out there, she bro. Knew, she knew that her personality yes. <laughs> would be picked up upon by her, her son and that her father having not even or that her husband his father being not so keen on the idea of being friendly to dragons would then feel the same way about the son that she thought he felt about her even though that was just her way of understanding the events that took place in the short uh standpoint mm-hmm. so yeah anyways yep. <laughs> <laughs> moral of the story is uh Drag, dragons are know. nice Dra- dragons are yes nice. they are cool watch out for the alpha yeah yeah whatever you do don't kill the alpha because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> these two guys don't want to watch this movie a second time no no, no. I, I would be happy to watch the movie a second time i yeah, i, I like it, it just fine i'm only grading it on the curve of the first movie <laughs> yeah the curve of the scales of the dragon right mm-hmm. also Ice breathing dragon, pretty badass. That was cool. Pretty badass. I liked it. Like I said, those the two uh, alpha dragons fighting better than Godzilla fights, dude. Like those are some legit like monster fighting. Speaking of Godzilla fights, uh, did you notice Night Fury has Godzilla power? Yeah, where he charges yeah. up like the radiation blast. Yeah, once again, more badass than the new Godzilla. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime a little Chihuahua dragon can like fight off a giant alpha. <laughs> Hey, yeah, with dude. Just his his bark. Hell yeah. Uh, pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say a uh, slight tangent, but uh, I don't know if you guys noticed. Maybe not in the trailer. Like anytime a uh, Drago Blood Diamond was all cut them down. Like the way they cut that in the trailer. Seriously, the first time I heard that, I thought he said like "goddamn down," and I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> It's like, whoa, that is, oh, wait, he Dream said, cut, is getting dark. He said, he said, cut them. Okay. But in the movie, it didn't seem as like harsh. I think it was just the way it, like that hard cut into cut them down. just made it sound something that it wasn't. Oh, Drago yeah. Malfoy. Oh, yeah. Also real fast, going back to that Drago guy, whatever his name was, um, you guys, like, I thought his backstory was badass. Like... I no, didn't go fine. into it too much because it, it's semi-spoilery, but just the idea of this, these people getting a council together to talk about what they're going to do about the dragon infestation, this guy showing up being super dark and just like, like, hey, I can control the dragons. Yeah. Come with me. <laughs> and they're like, uh, ha, 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 no. And he's like, fine, then burn. And then just flame comes pouring in from the roof and like everyone dies. Yeah, it's pretty that's bad. Like, that was a baller move. That's, <laughs> dude, that's like epic to in, the extreme. In, like, in I, a less I was baller like, move... I need to run right now. So I've only done this once from a dentist appointment during a podcast. 
but I have to be somewhere before it closes at 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> right. keep keep this in the all podcast right. by the okay, way okay yeah yeah <laughs> all right we will but we're gonna end the podcast with that statement awesome. so <laughs> thank you guys for listening and we will catch you later <laughs> catch you later <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> uh-oh yeah, baby